2: We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
4: Just, uh, you know, the growth and development of the, of the offense, you know, to me, uh, needed to be uh, better than what it was. And, uh, you know, to me, you know, you look at the passing game, certainly that's one aspect of it, and uh, that, that's where it is. And uh, we decided to move on uh, from that. And, again, that was my decision. Um, I was conferring with, uh, you know, Ryan and George and Kevin, and, and uh, we made that decision this morning. That was Flus talking about his decision to move on from Lou Gutsy, and that's why the Bears are interviewing every single offensive coordinator that is available. <laughs>
3: Everybody who has ever called a play in the collegiate or the professional realm is interviewing with the Bears.
4: Um, do me a favor. Tyler Buterball producing today. Pull up the cut of Wani talking about hiring assistants. It has to be. I mean, if you, if they didn't cut that up, then I need to have a talk with whoever, whatever producer was. Did you hear this by by any chance? I don't think so. I heard oh him talking about Cliff Kingsbury, and you know, I heard his it, specific thoughts on that. Well, it it was I think it was it was after that. Okay, he starts talking about you know how many how interviewing basically went back when he was working with Jimmy Johnson, not only uh, yeah. for the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> but also for for the Miami Hurricanes. So uh, we'll have Tyler you know pull up All in a right. second. If not, I'll tell the story. Yeah. Um. But but news about Illinois first and. Mm.
3: Yeah, the, the best player, uh, really, a guy who had played himself into being a lottery pick in this next NBA draft, Terrence Shannon Jr., he initially got suspended after being arrested December 28th after he got charged with rape, sexual intercourse without consent, and use of force. This is from a trip he had taken earlier in the year during the fall to Lawrence, Kansas. He went there uh, when the, the Jayhawks were hosting the Illini in football, so he was not going in there you know, in any kind of University of Illinois sort of role, but... He did go to watch the Illini football team play there, and there were charges that stemmed from that trip that he took. He's been suspended since that point, but Terrence Shannon Jr. has now been reinstated. There's a court injunction that got filed, and his uh, TRO has been granted. So we will see Terrence Shannon Jr. back on the court after this restraining order uh, has been granted from a federal judge, and you know the Illini on the court, which you know obviously the the events that have happened off the court and the legal proceedings that will continue. This doesn't at the moment exonerate Terrence Shannon Jr., but there have been legal proceedings that have been going on with best player for the Illini, a guy who had been playing at an All-American level. He now, with this team that's still in the top 15 in the country, at the time of his suspension, they had gotten into the top 10. So now the Illini at 13-4 and on the season, who had found a way to sustain a level of quality play without Terrence Shannon Jr. on the court. Now they will get this guy back, who's really been the the key piece for the Illini basketball team. Not only on the offensive end, where he's a guy who gets out in the open court, finishes really well at the rack, allows their tempo and their pace to still have a control to it, because they you know they don't have a, a true like point guard on the squad. They've got guys who can handle the rock. They've got players who can shoot it. Marcus Damask has been a guy who stepped his offensive game up when Terrence Shannon Jr. has been out but he's a guy who can be sort of a de facto point guard for them because he's the best decision maker and the most experienced player that Brad Underwood has there. So getting him back in the lineup will end up making a big difference on the court for Illinois in a season where they've been looking like a squad where Purdue has been the number one team in the country, a bunch, uh, and they're the team who seems like they're going to win the big 10, but just beyond Purdue. And when Illinois and Purdue played last week, it was without Terrence Shannon Jr. But, The Illini have been playing at a really high level even without him, now getting him back into the lineup presumably this weekend. He's expected to return to the court for Illinois when they host Rutgers. So, on the court, it's a very big deal for the Illini to get Terrence Shannon Jr. back because he's not only the offensive linchpin for them, but he's also a guy defensively that performs at such a high level. That's as much as anything why he's viewed as a potential or probably even a likely lottery pick not only the overall offensive skill he brings to the table but defensively he is one of the better on-ball defenders in the entire country it's a really big deal for the Illini
4: lanky guy coming into the perfect time obviously tournament time coming up soon people are going to start playing at extremely high level I'm always concerned about the distraction Mm, right, yeah, I mean, right. you look at like Alabama last year with Brandon Miller coming back yeah. after all of that. You know how are you know these are young kids still, right? And mm-hmm. and, and clearly, whoever's going to step into that stadium, as we learned even here at the United Center, people got no shame, right? Yeah. As Mike Wilbon would say. And so you know you 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 see that, but hey, man, you got you got to fight through it. You got to play through it, especially if you know you're trying to hang your hat on you know what it is you believe in and. and and what happened and what you you think of that is, and it shouldn't be a distraction. You're going to go in, talk to your team, tell them what it is. You ever you ever had to deal with anything like that? Yeah, playing professional Not, um, sports. I'm trying to think of any, like when I was or with the Falcons. even in
3: college, yeah. When I was with the Falcons, it was prior to any of the, uh, the you know, dogfighting uh, scandal that broke out with Mike Vick. So didn't have that there when I was in Green Bay. You know, one, it was after a lot of the controversy with Brett Favre. There were multiple controversies that Brett Favre had, had in Green Bay. So not, nothing like that, you know. In college, had a, a teammate or two that got suspended, but you know, for kind of more standard yeah. NCAA types of infractions. But nothing, nothing that was as public as this, and nothing national that, news, know, seemed, was yeah, that breaking as, and stuff like that. You know, as grave as what these uh, these charges are yeah. against Terrence Shannon Jr.
4: All right, so uh, well, again, that'll be happening uh, this weekend. See if we'll be back in the lineup and what his productivity level will look like after being out for quite some time. Um, and we are going to continue our conversation. It's Gabriel Mira. Anthony Heron here on 670, the score. Uh, and I got that clip, and then we're going to go into this thing. Sure. I, want, I want you to take a listen to this. This is uh, Dave that talking about how recruiting coaches went, you know, for, for the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Hurricanes with Jimmy Johnson. Take a listen to this.
2: I've never done it and wouldn't do it. I wouldn't hire anybody that but, – but we did it a different – I come from a school now, going back to Jimmy, that we never hired anybody unless – one of the inner circle personally worked with this guy. Uh, I uh, you know, Ron Turner and I, when Ron was my offensive coordinator at the Bears, Ron and I worked together at USC and I, I worked with his brother, North. When we hired, when, Matt, when I brought Matt Cavanaugh in from Baltimore, Matt and I were teammates at Pitt and had worked together. When, I, when we got North Turner, Jimmy didn't know North Turner, but I worked with Norv when he was the offensive coordinator at USC and I was with him and we became very good friends, brought him into Jimmy and said, he's t- our type of people. If you like him as a coach, uh, this is the guy. So, I mean, uh, that's just the way we've done it. And, but that's, doesn't
4: mean it's the right way. Doesn't mean it's the right way. Okay. That was not the clip I was talking about. Cause the other, <laughs> the other, he was three sheets to the wind when he was telling the story. He basically said, he goes, he goes, he said, he goes in the, uh, he goes in the NFL with Jimmy. He's like, this guy is there, and he basically says, "Like I got a guy, we need, mm. we need another coordinator." He's like, "I got a guy," brings him in, uh, and it was it was I think it was North Turner. I think that's who he said it was. Mm. And then and then Jimmy Johnson tells him, "Hey, I'm gonna meet you at the restaurant. I'm gonna bring him. I'm gonna bring North Turner over." Okay. Here. So Dave and whoever he was with at the restaurant, Jimmy gets him, puts him in the car, uh, North Turner in the car. They're driving. He opens up a cooler. Well, Heineken's in it because Jimmy Johnson always kept Heineken's in the cooler. <laughs> and then Norton was like, Yeah, well, whatever. Well, hell, man, yeah. well, screw it. I'm going to take one. He takes uh, one. They walk into the thing. He's like, literally, like two seconds later, he goes, Boys, we found ourselves a new offensive coordinator. <laughs> and I'm like, no, That was okay. all it took? That was all it took. And then he, he, there's the other star. Then another star. He goes, He goes, We're down at SMU. He's like, and we're practicing. He's like, our East Carolina coach is there or something like that. And Or no, he's like, we're playing SMU or something like that. Mm. Anyway, they're at the school. They're at, they're using another school's facility, but Dave knows the guy and they look at the guy and of he course. goes to the guy and he's like, he, he likes him mm. and he's like, you want to come with us? And the guy's like, yeah. And Dave has to go tell the college that they're bumming the, the fields off of, yeah. that they're taking their coach. Uh, and he goes on a plane with them and it takes off, and then he, <laughs> they coach the rest of the season together. <laughs> That's how they got the coaches. And then I said, no way. And then he goes, then he said the the one bad one was he goes back in college in Miami. He goes, they're in a hotel, and they're, they're interviewing some guy. He didn't want to say the name. Mm-hmm. Interviewing some guy, and they had went out the night before. So while they're waiting for this interview to happen, they make a, a call out. He's like, he goes to to, to Juani. He goes, you want some Bloody Marys? And he's like, well, hell yeah, I want some Bloody Marys. And so they, they order around the floor four Bloody Marys. He's like, the guy comes in to do his interview. He's like, and... While like, the interview's about to start, and then there's a knock at the door, and there's like, oh, hold on one second. He opens the door to Trey with four Bloody Marys. And the guy, he said the guy looked like he couldn't believe what was happening, and they knew that that wasn't the right guy.
3: Well,
1: that's the thing. Like, when you,
3: you think about like, what's the right answer in that's that interview? You're like, I usually like Bloody Marys, but I'm on a job interview right now. And Wani Uh, shows up trying to serve up Bloody Marys. Is this a test? Should I drink the Bloody Marys so I seem like I'm one of the guys? Or should I pass on the Bloody Marys? Like, What is the proper Uh. way to be able to respond to this? I think... Like, if whenever the first time was that, that Mitch or Ryan interviewed Tyler, right. if they were like, hey, Tyler, you like Bloody Marys? And Tyler was like, well, okay. sure, on occasion. And then they just showed up. Somebody showed up knocking on the door with a half dozen Bloody Marys. Tyler would be so happy. No way in the punt. world Tyler should drink those Bloody Marys if they do that. That's a test. So do not fall for that, Tyler. Next time, well, I mean, you're going to be running the well, station. okay because I'm not a fan of Bloody Marys. Ah, same. Cold tomato juice, tomato right? Uh, I don't yeah. like tomato yeah. juice. do not do it for me. I tried one Bloody Mary. One time, it was on a flight to New Orleans. It, it, it felt like I'd, I'd gotten upgraded on the on the flight. It was a bigger plane. And so, like, it, it was basically like everybody else who was in first class was having a Bloody Mary but me. Mm. And so then I cracked under the peer pressure sure. and said, you know what? Actually, I don't like Bloody Marys, but just to to participate in this moment, it felt like a moment. It's like, all right, I'm not going to be the one guy to miss out on the moment. I'm going to go ahead and have this Bloody Mary since basically everybody else in this section of the plane is having one.
4: That is so funny. Well, is is Bloody Marys or maybe – drinking alcohol together mm. is that part of the secret sauce for success <laughs> anthony heron ye who did all of our legwork for us to uh, find out you know what those variables could be is is, is is consuming alcohol with your coach is one of them maybe any secret sauce there <laughs>
3: <Maybe>. <laughs> that could be that could be that could definitely be part of it man we talked about it a bit Earlier in the show, through the first hour plus, just basically trying to – I was doing some research because I've been – I've talked about it on the station here a little bit. I've been on social media. Just trying to trying to get folks to contextualize this beyond the quarterback position because, you know, like I said, I think the Bears are, are very likely to move on from Justin Fields. And I wouldn't hammer him either way because I think Justin Fields has shown enough promise where an enhanced roster of Justin Fields – I think – I definitely think he could – put like a 2022 Jalen Hurts type of season together. where He's not going to look like one of the best, most precise, most consistent passers in football, but continued growth from him that I anticipate will happen. I do think he can put a more consistent passing performance together and a, an even enhanced roster, Bears making the playoffs, trying to make a push towards something deep in the postseason. I definitely think he is capable of that. Well at the same time, you got back-to-back seasons with the number one pick, Caleb Williams is a guy who – who's looked at as as an exceptional talent at quarterback, who's going to be worthy of that top spot. There's several factors in why I think it it will definitely make sense if the Bears determine to move on from there with where it feels like the evaluation of Caleb Williams is. Now, that being said, you do have a locker room that's, that's come out in the full-throated support of their quarterback, of Justin Fields, and a team that's growing and maturing together. And they've been through something together as well. And so that's a part of why I think the teammates have so – publicly and verbally, vocally supported Justin because they know he's been the main pincushion. He's been out there in front of everything with this franchise's struggles for the last couple of years, and now they can tell they're coming out of it just like we can all sort of see. It looks like they're on the verge of really coming out of this thing on the other side and having a chance to compete. And I I think that the teammates, DJ Moore and Jaquan Brisker and Greg – uh, I was about to say Greg Olson and uh, <laughs> the uh, and, uh, the bears, the Colcomat, you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys in the locker room, Lucas Patrick, who've come out in full support of Justin Fields. And I think that's great. Not at the same time, that should be a factor, but not the factor for Ryan Poles, but for the bears to, to take the North and never give it back. Like he said, in that opening press conference, there's a bunch of squads around the national football league who, as I just looked at the last quarter century in the NFL, went through the records, the coaches, the quarterbacks, for a bunch of teams in the sport and seen so many teams. The Bears are basically middle of the pack. As far as the last 25 years of of time in the National Football League, who has sustained winning? And half the league has been able to win at a far more consistent clip than the Bears. And there's a few surprising teams. We talked about some of the teams who've been at the top of the ladder, top of the food chain in the NFL, like Baltimore, have had a 500 or better record 20 out of the last 25 years. The Eagles have played in – three different Super Bowls with various quarterbacks leading into the playoffs like Donovan McNabb, Mike Vick, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts. They didn't just like luck into five different quarterbacks in the last quarter century here who just win everywhere they go. Donovan McNabb was great in Philly and nowhere else. Carson Wentz was great in Philly and nowhere else. Nick Foles has been great in Philly and nowhere else. There are certain franchises who have been able to get this done at a high level. And so to me, I want folks to contextualize that for the Bears – Getting whether it's getting a new quarterback and getting it right there or continuing to develop this current quarterback, the performance of the QB should be viewed in context of whether or not the franchise is developing the quarterback position in the right way. And there's a bunch of examples of teams who've been able to do that at a really high level. It hadn't even occurred to me that, you know, a squad, a squad like Tampa Bay. Like the Buccaneers, I started doing this. Tampa Bay wasn't even a franchise that had occurred to me as somebody who had won at a pretty consistent clip here. Tampa Bay has been 500 or better 12 times over the last 25 years. They've made the playoffs 10 times in the last 25 years, where the Bears have only done that six times. And, oh, by the way, yes, two different Super Bowl championships that Tampa Bay has had as well. But you look at the last quarter century, a bunch of different quarterbacks have led them to the playoffs. They've had playoff appearances with Trent Dilfer, Sean King, Brad Johnson, mm. Chris Sims, Jeff Garcia, Tom Brady, now Baker Mayfield. Like, Tampa Bay deserves credit game, for that.
4: Good run game, good and defense. And good defense.
3: Exactly. Yeah. With almost every one of those scenarios. Now, Tom Brady was, time, was the best version. Tom Brady in his 40s was probably the best version of Tom Brady we saw. Their defense in the Super Bowl year wasn't exceptional, but you had the greatest quarterback of all time. But for the most part, that has been the formula when Tampa has had success over the last quarter century. Exceptional defense, steady play from the quarterback, a great alpha, like number one ride receiver that's paired with that QB. And, you know, I think to, to see a, a team like that, who hasn't been as good as your, your Baltimore's and your Philadelphia's, but even a team like Tampa Bay that over the last quarter century has been a more sustainable product through so many different quarterbacks who've led them to playoff appearances, variety of head coaches, Tony Dungy, John Gruden, Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles. Now four different coaches have led the Bucks to the playoffs. So that to me, by comparison, that is still far more sustained success through various coaches, various quarterbacks. And so by comparison, I don't look at Tampa and say they just kept getting lucky getting the right guy, quote-unquote. Right. They've had a bunch of quarterbacks and a number of coaches who found a way to have success and in some cases sustain success in a way that the Bears haven't even come close to.
4: Yeah, because they did it different ways in Tampa, right? If you're thinking either even Jameis Winston, right? Like yeah. being being one of their quarterbacks and, and, and performing and at they, a high, and high level. In that
3: example, he was the number one overall right. pick had some moments never led them to the playoffs even though he was an extremely talented guy so even within the the infrastructure of their franchise that's had a lot of success over the last quarter century the guy they took number 1 overall in that mix he was not the one in all these other quarterbacks I just named that actually was able to lead
4: them to the Which playoffs. Which is so interesting, right? Because, yeah. again, it's just it, – it really is almost like a lot like of a other crap stuff shoot. has yeah. to be done well beyond yeah. the
3: quarterback, and that's, that's the bigger point that I want people to realize. Whether it's Justin or Caleb or anybody else, other things have to be in place as
4: well. Yes. Yeah, I mean, when you're thinking about, you know, victories on that level, Right, doing it your or or having your franchise be synonymous with winning, mm-hmm. right? I think that's ultimately what we're really talking about, right? Because you know we're not only measuring Super Bowl victories, yeah. Right, there's so right. Much, so many other things going into this equation,
3: and so and it feels like that's what the conversation becomes, right? Like either you won a Super Bowl or you didn't. Like me, including Dallas on this list, I, don't know, I haven't checked the text line in a minute, but when I've mentioned Dallas on social media in the, in recent weeks, folks are like, "Oh, what does Dallas won?" Okay, they they haven't won a Super Bowl, haven't even won a playoff game in a yeah. long time, but they've been in the mix almost every 500 year. 500
4: or better 18 times. 18 out of the of last 25 seasons, man. Like I mean, how great would it be if you could count better? on the Bears to at least
3: win the majority of their games almost every year? Chicago would be a nicer la- place. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't everybody be in a better <laughs> mood
4: <laughs> oh, if that Chicago. was the case here? <laughs> All right, uh we are going to tackle a little bit more of this before we get out of here at nine o'clock. That we assure you, uh, some great stuff that Anthony put together for us. Uh, but on the other side, uh, we get to talk about potentially a new stadium that could be popping up in the city. Is there any truth to this? Is this a real thing? I, am, I I'm from Chicago, so I'm just like I'm like the I'm like the video the TikTok videos. <laughs> I, I'm from Chicago, so when I hear things like this, I don't really pay attention to it because it's probably not happening. That's that's my That would be my line if I were in the thing. All right. Shout out to those that got what I was saying. All right. Uh, Lamont Pope uh, is going to join us next. He covers the Chicago White Sox. So I'm sure he'll have a thing or two to say about what a potential new stadium can mean for this franchise. I will talk to Lamont Pope on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Anthony Heron. It's 670 The score.
0: <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
2: Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Moving to a site like this with this kind of project would dramatically change the relevance and the perception of the White Sox in the Chicago area.
4: That was Mark Gannis. Hanging out with Mully and Hall here on 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. Got another half an hour with you guys, and I think there is some, some something that can hey, be man. added. Flew by. We only got a half hour left. I know. Left. Trust me. I just <laughs> literally said that, and I was like, steaks. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing after the show, Tyler. Beterball, Restaurant week. Restaurant week kicks off today, just so you guys know. Three-course meals, dinners, that is. 59 bucks. Hot <laughs> at me. I know all the good spots. Um... And and maybe our next guest could join us, too. You never know. Uh, He he joins us right now on the guest hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. He covers the uh, Chicago White Sox for the Chicago Tribune. It is none other than our good friend Lamont Pope. Lamont, good to talk to you again.
1: Hey, fellas. How's Uh, it going?
4: Are you a big restaurant week guy?
1: I am, I Same. am, you know, but, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. Crosby's Kitchen, I've gone to that one a couple times, and so yeah, no. Uh, okay. you know, shout out to Crosby's Kitchen. <laughs> say, you're right there on Wabash. I see you.
4: Okay, okay, okay. I got, got. Hey, shoot me the text when you find a really good one, though. We you go. know, because there's only so many out there. When you get a good deal, don't hide it. Put it in the group chat. All right, uh, Lamont. Uh, maybe you know there might be some restaurants participating in Restaurant Week in a few years that'll be. Located right on Clark and Roosevelt for the mm. Chicago White Sox. I Look mean,
3: restaurant quality transition right there, just kind of segueing into the topic this. of the day. We're yeah. doing this as
4: long as Lamont Pope's been right. Uh-huh. That's the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but Lamont, um, for you, I just I'm curious, like your initial thoughts, right? Because me as a Sox fan, I don't hate guaranteed rate. I think it's fine. I, I understand it, it, this is a more prime location that would most certainly connect the city to the team a bit more than it does now. What were your, what was your initial thoughts upon seeing that?
1: Yeah, this is the uh, the next step of that process, right? I mean, I remember being at Guaranteed Rate Field when uh, the Crane's business uh, story first came out in August, uh, saying that the Sox you know might be looking at some new locations. They listed uh, several of them there, and then I remember being at the uh, winter meetings in in Nashville uh, when that report came out about from Politico about. Uh, Jerry Reinstork meeting with the Nashville mayor, mayor, and now and now this one, you know, shout out to the Sun Times, you know, uh, with with the scoop there uh, the other day, and then and our guys, I have, to, I have to give some love to our guys, uh, you know, Brian J Rogel, Robert McCoppin, um, Jeremy uh, Gorner, and. Uh, uh, Jake Sheridan, I mean, you know, they they did a heck of a job with our with our update there you know I, I was sort of like the the student that was sort of along for the run <laughs> for that one to, uh, for our update today and so uh but yeah you know it's it's uh it's very interesting from the standpoint of here's this next step in this whole process obviously we have a long way to go before kind of determining it out and you know both of you guys. Uh, do you know excellent coverage there with the, with the Bears and you, so you both know how these stadium deals and plans all work on out and how long it can take and so a lot of questions uh, still to be remained but you know I, you know my my initial thought was just here's that next step of the process and now we will have to see where that next uh, breadcrumb come, crumb comes from.
3: So, lay it out for me as, as it relates to the 78. What what would be the potential? upgrades that are available there that the White Sox aren't, able to, aren't currently able to capitalize on at 35th and Shields?
1: Yeah, Anthony, a lot, a lot of the talk about you know, has been about sort of like the, uh, the battery that's been thrown around in Atlanta. You know, I had the chance to, when the Sox played, the Braves, I think right after the All-Star break, that first series was down there in Atlanta, and so I had the chance to kind of uh, go check that on out. And it is, <laughs> it is really cool. Um, you know, I, I showed up a few hours before the game was able to have a bite to eat. there's a lot of uh you know restaurants there's a lot of uh shopping that can be done there as well and so I and mean, then even after the game uh you know i was I met a couple of the other reporters out afterwards and and they had like a live d j out uh in in an open area right there and so I had to kind of sort of like do the uh, uh cha dance kind of kind of get to where <laughs> the other guys were at and so you know, so, so it's like sort of like you know having that sort of space. You know, in, in addition to you know uh, what Gabe was talking about as far as like the, the view and the opportunity to kind of uh get closer to to the downtown area and and all of all of those things that might you know you know maybe uh, attracting some new fans or or some of the some of the tourists as well you know all those aspects uh from being a little being a little closer to downtown uh that, that we bring with it you know it's that opportunity potentially uh to to add in those things because that's that's a lot of those things that um a lot of these newer ballparks are looking for you know you take a look uh, and you know Kansas City is one of those parks that's one of those places that's looking for a new park and, and they're trying to get downtown right now. You know, uh, I have, I have a lot of, uh, love for the for Kauffman Stadium. And that was when I when I joined the Stock Speed, That was my, where my first real trip was in 2019. And so, you know, and even going back to the days of George Brett and Frank Frank White and all those all those and seeing those guys win the '85 World Series championship. So I've always loved, loved that ballpark. Uh, but you know, but it's an older ballpark, and they're looking to get closer to downtown. Uh, and one of the things that they want to do with that as well is sort of having you know multi. Uh, you know, entertainment facilities next to it, and, and so to be able to to, to generate funds when there aren't uh, activities and things going on at the ballpark.
4: Yeah, the South Loop needs it. I mean, it's, there's there's stuff going on there. It's bustling, but no one ever, I don't know anybody that's like, oh, let's go meet up in the South Loop. Like, no no one's no one's saying that. You know what I mean? Like, I know, Auntie you stay over there, but I'm saying, I'm saying like, no one's ever, And even you know no one's saying You're even going to other places to hang just out with dump it on up. the sloop, man. Come on. Because you know what it was? It, it, there was a moment, like, maybe 15 years ago where the South Loop was beginning, and then you were thinking, like, oh, it's going to continue, and it had this momentum, but then it just kind of stopped. And then the West Loop kind of took over any kind of thunder it had. So, you know, you put, putting the White Sox there, I think – I think that'll do wonders for it. what you, What would you say is, I mean, cause I mean, I, I, I'm almost shocked. Cause it sounds like too something too nice for my team. Right. And so, <laughs> so I'm like, so Lamont, I'm like, like what, what, what could that even like look like in terms of like, I don't even know. Like, I, I, do we get new fans or new people going to like us? I, I, like what, 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 when you think about having a complex there for the team, right? You cover this team, you see how lowly it can be for, for the fan base. Like, am I like how big of an injection of life can this be for this team?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's that potential for sure. I mean, you you take a look at just sort of, you know, it was funny kind of taking a look at some of those early renderings that fans were doing and things of that nature, just how it would kind of look uh, with the view of downtown or maybe uh, some of the water there as well. And, you know, it brought, brought to mind, um, you know, PNC PNC park in Pittsburgh um, and other areas like that. And so, you know the, the potential is there, but you know the the, the thing is obviously, and, and you get you both guys know this. You know it always comes down to winning. You know it doesn't matter how uh, shiny and new your ballpark would be. Uh, you know if, to sustain to sustain having that that the fans showing up, uh, you, you know you gotta have a good product on on the field. And so you know there, there's that initial uh, bump that any team would kind of get with a, with a new facility. Uh, you know, you've seen that all across. Uh, baseball, and obviously there, there have been uh, debates about, you know, as far as like what the economic impact would be or would not be. You know, some some people say that you know there's not really much of that from that standpoint, but you know all that all that can you know remains to be seen. But you know the, the bigger issue from the from the fan fan standpoint, you know it all comes down as always to sustaining that fan base and having the fans show up time and time again. It all comes down to having you know the, the product that you actually put on the on the field.
3: The ability to to utilize the space, the area around, to kind of have it be a you know a bit of a theme park sort of vibe maybe around a new stadium. Are the White Sox currently situated to be able to maximize that? Like I think of what the Cubs did with Gallagher Way and how they started to kind of take over, just buy up space around Wrigleyville. How many additional investors do you think the Reinsdorfs would need to really be able to try to you know have something like that going on at a new development?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's going to be crucial. I mean, you know, obviously there's so many questions that are involved in this, you know, sort of early phase that, that we're that we're talking about. And obviously the most crucial one is, you know, how the, the money that's going to be, all be involved. You know, for, not only for the ballpark, but also for for some of these other things that we're talking about. And so, yeah, you know, but, you know to, to, to dream and to dream big from from the White Sox perspective, um, you know, that you, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need to uh, have a whole lot of money that's going to be involved with it. You know, to, to be able to do this and do this correctly because you know that's that's the, that's the key here i mean when we open this you know gabe was talking about how uh guaranteed rate isn't all that old uh right but you know they're, but they're and, and they have made significant strides throughout the years i mean you know we all remember those first couple of years or your first few years you know when you when you look down from the upper deck and just sort of like oh man and, and now you know they've, they've, so they've made upgrades to the ballpark uh throughout the years um and but but if you're going to have the opportunity to do something new, do something fresh, you know, you, you got to make sure that you can do it correctly. And and for that to be done, it's going to cost a whole lot of money.
3: Lamont, before we let you run, man, give, give us a sense for this player development staff that the White Sox are putting together, because that, that to me is as big of a concern. I've been talking about it with the Bears as it relates to their franchise and how they can kind of, find a way to win in a more consistent clip. I think it was part of what derailed the Cubs, and we thought the the young core that they had in place was going to become a dynasty, and they had the One World Series, and the White Sox core never really even got off the ground after one postseason appearance here. So having a player development staff, what are the White Sox trying to do to make sure that that's as, as fruitful as possible?
1: Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to just everyone sort of being on that same page. We had a chance to talk to Paul Janic today. Uh, you know, this is his first year uh, in that uh, in that role as the um, player development director. Um, you know, he, he comes from Rice, and so, you know, the one thing that the White Sox really liked about him was just sort of how uh, they, they thought he had a really good connection with how he sort of did, did things at that college level. You know, kind of taking a look, at, you know, Anthony, you're, you're well aware with, with all the college football and, and college football that you do as, as far as like dealing with the NIL and things of that nature. And they, so they, they thought that he had a really good handle at juggling a whole lot of things uh, while he was at the college level. And so, you know, it, it comes down to you know, most of their the managerial staff, you know, I think there's only. One change, as far as the managers are concerned, and that, and that was at Double A. Uh, but it, it's really uh, just sort of everyone sort of being on that same page. One thing that uh, Paul talked about today was uh, they had sort of a little bit of a hitters' clinic, and uh, and so the, you know, from uh, Marcus Thames all the way down to you know uh, uh, the guys at the Dominican uh, camp as well. Like everyone was involved, everyone was talkative. Just sort of like here's here's the game plan that we want to kind of instill and, and put in place uh, for everyone up and down the system. And so so that's that's the thing that they're kind of concentrating on uh, with, with so much newness that's involved up and down and throughout the organization. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting just to see how all that plays on out. And that's going to be one of the things that, you know, I'll be looking for and looking forward to seeing when we get down to Arizona uh, next month.
4: And I can't wait to talk to you while you're there, uh, Lamon. Thanks so much for bringing out with us today. And Anthony and I, we actually, um, we're going to Morton's Steakhouse after this. All right. I'll see you there. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Just making sure. It's really an open invite, Lam- Lamont. We're going there right after this. We get off at 9. I know you live downtown, so if you want to come hang out, we're going to the one on Wacker Street. Uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll save you a seat, okay?
1: I'm being serious,
4: though. He, he's laughing, and I'm being dead serious. All right, all right, Lamont. I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, guys. Thanks. Always Lam- well, great talking to you. Lamont Pope from the Chicago Tribune. Hopefully he'll join us a little bit later. Um,
3: I, I don't personally have an issue with the current Sox Park. I mean, if they can upgrade, it's always nice to get an upgrade here, man. But I mean I, I, I know- get it.
4: And you want to know we you know why? Because we talk about this city about and especially in the last week, right? Why don't you go get Jim Harbaugh? Why don't you go? Be- why didn't you fire E Blues to go get the big thing? We're not thinking of big here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, damn, the White Sox are like, yeah, you know what? Screw this stadium. Okay. I want to build somewhere. where. On Clark and Roosevelt, <laughs> like you live, you we yeah. know uh-huh. that's crazy right. to say that, and then you're like, yeah. So for me as a Sox fan, I'm like, yeah, all right, think big. This is great. <laughs> I I don't think it's gonna happen, but yes, <laughs> this is awesome. This is like uh-huh. the coolest thing to happen to us in a very long time. If this if this were to happen to the White Sox, this would be the coolest thing in like. If oh they my. actually made it cool,
3: yes, I agree.
4: What do you mean now? What, 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 what do you mean? What
3: because cool? for me, like I mentioned, I don't. I don't have a, a big, I, I like the current stadium. I, honestly, All I, right. I like Sox Park just as a stadium. I like Guaranteed Rate better than I do yeah, Wrigley. Most people do. I mean, it's a better facility. In, in, in terms of the more consistent in, food. In, yeah, in terms
4: of that stuff. I, I love
3: just like being in the stadium. I think that the skyline, when you're now, if you're looking like from kind of behind home plate out, you don't necessarily get that skyline view. But when you're walking through certain areas of the concourse, yeah. you can see the Chicago skyline and everything. I, I think it's a nice stadium myself. Now, It was too vertical at first. They made some adjustments or whatever, but I think on the whole, if they're going to build a new one, then I hope they do a really nice stadium and I hope you get a full Wrigleyville-Gallagher-Way kind of deal going around it. Then, yeah, that's a legitimate upgrade. Because if you could marry the two,
4: that's what you'd want, right?
3: Right. Now, if it's just, yeah, our lease is coming up here and we don't really like the financial situation right here, so we're going to go – get a bunch of tax dollars to build a new stadium somewhere else, but it's not really going to be amazing. Then I think it's just, you're kind of wasting our money if that's the case, as opposed to actually really upgrading things. So if it ends up being an upgrade, then I'm with it. Now, if it's just, yeah, I don't really like the lease and I don't like the deal that's in place to maybe continue the lease at 35th and Shields, then all right, it's just a cash grab.
4: Well, I live off Roosevelt Avenue. No, just in Oak Park. And uh, so anything on <laughs> Roseville is good for me. Oak yes. Park Boys. Yeah, Oak Park Boys. O-P-B in the building. Where's Mark Grody when you need him? And it's going to be looking for a house soon. He needs he needs more space than Oak Park. Oak Park Gabe. Probably. Yeah. So it's nice. It's, it's nice. Hey, of, I'm it's, over it's, there, too. Yeah. We, nice all, uh, we, yeah. we can Oak all Oh, yeah? Oak Park hang Tyler? Out. Tyler, okay. Tyler, O-P-T. with the Oak Park right. Boys, baby. Right. We out here. <laughs> We're increasing the hood level as <laughs> by the week. <laughs> All right. Like I yeah. said, anything on Roosevelt I'm Avenue, I'm good for it, though.
3: I want my home to be less than 100 years old. That's hard to come by in Oak Park. True. Sure.
4: Listen, I feel like I have to build the whole damn thing all <laughs> over again. So, <laughs> I get it. All right. Uh, more chats on the other side from the Oak Park boy and Anthony Heron right here on 670 The Score.
2: We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
4: All right, and so I'm going to – I'm gonna before we before I tell you about my unwritten rule of Oklahoma okay Park that I've learned. Um, I want you to from, pre-order what, these what, dinner what? items. Oh, no,
3: not that. Not uh, Don't yeah, don't be don't All be, right. a, don't be right. a look at the menu guy. Oh, you're already, there. <laughs> you're already looking at the menu. I love it. We're going on a real
4: uh. date, guys. <laughs> <laughs> See what um, they working with. Well, I was gonna circle back to your bear stuff. We can, okay, uh, we don't All have right. to for four, right. for four minutes. We don't have to. Yeah, but now I do because I really want your answer on this. Okay. If we're assuming, right, that all the teams that have had success over the last 25 years, what we've deemed as success, mm-hmm. to have those three things, right, if we're talking about quarterback, coaching, and then what did we say the third one was? Quarterback, coaching, and then we'd say defense. That's we talk about defense, we defense a lot with all, all right. these teams just so, about. So, so if we're saying that, you know, those teams have operated on a, you know, 10-9-8 scale. Mm-hmm. Having to fill in what they need from what in re- those respective groups. What do you, th- where do you think the Bears are now on that 10 9 nine eight scale of those three things?
3: The defense current current state of the Bears defense up and coming. You know, I, I think we could judge as far as the current state of the defense. There's moves they're going to make between right. now and next season that should upgrade it. But I'd say for right now, I call the Bears defense a seven, seven. maybe seven okay. out of ten. Coaching, coaching. I mean, at the moment, I'd say six, maybe. Okay, seven coaching. and six. And then the quarterback? Quarterback, I'd say probably about the same as a coach. Six, six, seven in that okay, range. So
4: seven, six, six is where Bears are currently. Where do you think this this Bears team, not a team, mm-hmm. the Bears themselves, have to be in order to have success based off of what, you're, what you've seen? Mm-hmm. If we were to tick those up, what are the ones that need to go up? What can we maybe get away with? Tell me what that looks like. I think the success. the
3: most important one to be sure that gets upgraded is the coach, and that doesn't mean it can't be the current coach. But the current coach who has had an opportunity to develop on the job needs to coach at his best Agreed. in his third season with this opportunity. You know, Matt Eberflus was a better coach the second half of this season than he was in the first half of the year. He's a better coach this entire season than he was in the entire. 2022 season so if he continues to get better at the job and he becomes you know an eight or a nine as a coach then that's great now some coaches look like they got it all together from from day one from jump Mm. from square one i would imagine that as long as Matty Refluse has been in the national football league one reason that he didn't get a head coaching opportunity until now is because he's a defensive coach and we just know the offense churns through offensive play callers as head coaches far more than they do defensive coaches but you would imagine, as he had opportunities to interview, that there was something that, that folks just felt like wasn't quite there, was missing a little bit in him coming in and immediately being able to take over a locker room, galvanize a team, make critical decisions in key moments in the game, and get it all together. But I do think we've seen him get better at the job of being a head coach in the National Football League, and I think he'll have to continue improving. The Bears will have to continue to get more consistency from the quarterback position. And so I, I feel like Matt Eberthoos and Justin Fields are in a very similar space in that regard, I think each of them showed that they were getting better at what they were doing in in the second half of last year. While at the same time, you know, I think there was a case to be made for either one of them to return in their roles, and there was plenty of evidence that perhaps neither one of them should have returned in their roles. What the Bears had on the horizon, we know for sure, Matt Eberflus is going to be back. Whoever the quarterback is, though, will benefit from an even better version of Matt Eberflus, and especially. You know, one thing, the head coach and defensive play caller, but the way he guides this offense and that's where him, he he said it multiple times in that press conference is my decision to move on from Luke Getzey. All right, you decided to move on from Luke Getzey if you're saying that was all you, then whatever is your responsibility, Matt Eberflus for hiring this new OC, not only maybe be hands off with how they run the offense, but I don't think it should be hands off. I think your role as the head coach yeah. is to make sure that the offense suits your quarterback, your personnel. And that is a part of your responsibility, week in and week out. He shouldn't be divorced from that just because he's a quote-unquote defensive head coach.
4: Yeah, and you bring up some great points, and, and it's almost as if when I heard you say that, I'm like, do I think Ibrflus can become a nine or ten coach? Man, I don't, I, I don't. It's, it'd be hard for me to make that argument to think that he can be. Mm-hmm. He can certainly be a seven, eight coach. You said he's a six, so I have your, I have your recipe because mm-hmm. it's what I do. I do numbers. <laughs> It is a Bears with a 10 defense. You have to go make that defense. The best defense. One of the best defenses in the league. Top three defense. It has to be a 10. Your coach, because it's hard for me to see anything other than it, that that is going to have to be the seven. You're going to have to be the Cincinnati Bengals to win, despite what people think about your coach. And then your quarterback, whether it's Justin Fields getting better or them drafting one of the top quarterbacks in this draft, he has to be a nine. And so you need a 10 7, 9 combination based off the metrics that you gave me. Yeah. And for me having to put that into the Bears, that's what they need to look like. But you rarely get a 9 at
3: quarterback regardless of coaching. The coaching right. has to pull that of 9 course. out of the QB.
4: Might have, might, might have came in at a 7 or an 8. Mm-hmm. And you might have coached at a 6. But all but you both need to elevate your, your skill set in order to get there. And yeah. that's what we expect them to be. I uh, want to thank our guests for today. Lamont Pope. Want to thank Joe Cowley. Mm -hmm. Also, want to thank Jim Miller for joining us today. Want to thank our producer, Tyler Buterball. Tyler Buterball for three, count it,
2: and a foul on the Buterball.
4: Oh, wow. You got special programming for Chuck Swirsky. I like it. All right. We know what else I like steaks. Yeah, We're, We're about to go get them right now. For Gabriel Ramirez, for Anthony Heron, uh, we will see you next time. This is
0: 670 to Score. I'm hungry. Alright, I gotta go here, guys. I'm, I, I got something. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too.